What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. Hi, I'm Viet Nguyen, and uh, I am a hack filmmaker, hack TV director, and I, I am married to, I'm the husband of Helen Kim, who is the boss of and showrunner of my household. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over the world. Well, what is it mean to be Vietnamese to you these days? Um, you know, that is, that's a very good question. I knew you were going to ask it. I thought about it for about five minutes before we talked. <laughs> and, um, well, you know, obviously uh, there's, there's a million different answers to that. Right. Um, believe Balwin already addressed all that but but uh you know for me for me I think Vietnamese is like just like like life hacking <laughs> and maybe yeah. it's just like a, the immigrant story but like just like you know finding a way to, like I mean the I, I think like the perfect Vietnamese thing to hear was when Balwin said he uh, snuck his camera in uh, by putting, uh, sneaking it in with a, with a bag full of dirty underwear and gym clothes and stuff so that he could go take pictures. I mean, that's like, I mean, I think you and I can agree. That's such a Vietnamese thing to do. Definitely. And maybe, you know, again, I think maybe it's just like a immigrant thing, but, but I, you know, I kind of relate that, you know, like I remember going to Vietnam, uh, years ago and needing to like, you know, get a SIM card or whatever for my iPhone and, I feel like if you do something, and and I think the size of the SIM card was different or whatever. And I remember going in, into the store and the the Vietnamese person who helped me, she like just pulled out a pair of scissors and started just cutting around <laughs> the SIM card or whatever to make it fit into my phone. And I'm like, I wow. seriously doubt AT&T would do that here. <laughs> but it worked and I had a phone and I had data and L and I, I was able to use a phone in Vietnam. And, and that's just, I don't know. It's just like life, life hacking stuff. That's just like, it's just like the perseverance of like getting shit done, however it takes. And I mean, I mean, just like as an example, like I, when I was a, you know, indie film director and trying to shoot a short film one day, uh, you know, when I was in college or whatever, uh, a friend's like, oh, I work at this bar and, you know, we could shoot there. You could shoot through the night when we're not, when we're not open. And I was like, cool, we go there, we meet the manager. The manager's all like, yeah, 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 you can shoot here. It's all free. Da, 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 da. There's two levels. And we're like, oh my God, this is perfect. I can't, I can't believe we're, we get to shoot here. And so we're all like ready to go. And then the guy's like, yeah, so, you know, just, just send over the insurance information and then we're all good to go. And we're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. And so, <laughs> and so we just like, 
went online or, or whatever the equivalent of online was and or we got a like a, a real quote from a faxed quote or something uh from a company and then we just like photoshopped that and then sent <laughs> it in and you know and so i don't know so maybe vietnamese is also just being an indie filmmaker i mean it's just like <laughs> it's just like what whatever it takes the show must go on what, were your parents that way isn't it the same thing as like you know don't turn on the heater just put on more clothes as an example you know like chris chris den who you know we you know we know and uh co-writer with me and stuff like he has a proud story of like how his dad you know they they grew up on a farm and his dad like just built all these greenhouses in his own way and didn't go off and just go buy greenhouses he like found a way to build it in a cheaper way and but in a more efficient way and chris is just so proud that his you know dad figured that out but i also just felt like that's like a such a vietnamese thing to do it wasn't like he didn't like follow the straight path finding ways to, I mean, maybe shortcuts, not the right word, but finding ways to shortcut, um, but to get the job done and not without having to spend the most money and all that stuff. And again, maybe that's just an immigrant thing, but it just feels like such a Vietnamese thing to yeah, do but, when, we, uh, when we talk to each other about that kind of stuff. Yeah. The question goes back to, was your mom and dad like that? Well, um, that's a good question. Because um, I don't really see it in you. I don't really, I mean, I know that you're you're telling me like you're scrappy and, it, you know, obviously as an indie filmmaker, I know that that has to exist in you. Otherwise, you would make it. But at the same time, when I see you, there's a different precision that comes from you that's not like the typical Vietnamese, like, or you're just, you know, you're just like making it work. I always feel like you, the vibe is like you think it through and you don't wing it. Huh. That's interesting. Oh, okay. Well, um, I, I think there's a little bit of all, you know, uh, maybe there's a little bit of all that. And maybe the stuff that I do now, I'm on, on a professional level, you do have to be a little bit more more precise. But I also do feel like there's there's a little bit of jazz to, to, mm. to play whenever you, you do this, you know, the kind of work that I do or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm I'm also like, you know, a, you know, I was a punk skater kid who like messed around a lot and got into a lot of trouble when I was a kid. So I think a part of that, I think that a little bit of that rebellion and stuff, I still feel might, might still be a little bit Vietnamese too, but, mm -hmm. um, but then all that kind of goes into like the work that you do too, you know, finding ways to, 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 you know, like think outside the box or whatever. So I don't know. Well, why were you a rebellious kid? No, dude. Were you a rebellious kid? Not really. You weren't? Come on. I don't, I don't think I don't think I was. I I it's not I just broke rules, but I wasn't like rebelling against something, right? Like punk and skate and you know, that's sort of a, a little bit more deliberate, you know, so it goes back to that like deliberate. Listen to Guns N' Roses and I did. Yeah. Okay. I smoked, well... uh, drank, uh, but <laughs> But okay, Tell you me know what? <laughs> That's not I want to know more about all the shit that you did. That's not rebellious to me, right? That's just like, that was the family culture of where I came from. You know, my dad gave me the keys at 13, 14. My brother and I were driving the delivery trucks. We were- Oh, wow. Yeah, so- Wait, what not... were you guys delivering? What was it? I can't, I can't, I can't talk about that. 
I'm just kidding. We're, we're garments. We're at the time yeah. we're heavily into garment uh, making, and uh, yeah, we, we you know they they needed us to 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 do these things. And then we had a family that came over when we were like 11, 12 years old. These cousins and uncles, they all smoked, they all drank, and it was permitted in my house. So the it wasn't rebellious for me. Right. None of this was rebellion to me. We were driving, and there were no rules from where you know I came from when I was growing up. So, oh, okay. When you well, say rebellious, I want to know, was it some external pressure or was it ex pressure from inside the house? That because was because I didn't want to be a model minority, man. <laughs> My parents sacrificed so much, all the guilt. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, dude, I, I was driving when I was 13, but I was like joyriding my older sister's car. I would sneak out in the middle of the night mm. and joyride and stuff. But no, I think we were bad kids. My brother, my brother and I are a year apart and we were, we were a bad kid, but it was also, we also like, we grew up in a really super conservative, uh, religious, um, uh, background. And I think at one point we just cracked and we we're just like, you know, you know, fuck this. And we like, just like messed around a lot and we were skaters and we we're, you know, like any other teen kid, we were just like finding ourselves and stuff. And figuring out who we were and then you know we we started driving when we were kids and and uh, you know messed around and but you know at the same time during all that time we were also like the only family with the you know video camera and in the neighborhood so we were also just like shooting skate videos and like doing stuff like that so i don't know it was it it's it's funny because you know like i i off when i think about like my rebellious days I also kind of think of it like I also think about my like indie filmmaking kind of vibe too because uh, for some reason to me it kind of goes hand in hand like um just you know not following rules and like going off and you know you know shooting shit and you know it, it the footage almost is more fun if, if we did it secretly or you know we broke yeah. some rules to do it you know that kind of stuff did you ever get into real trouble like getting locked up or going to jail or no nothing like that i mean we just like we 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 were like taking my sister's car and then finally when we got busted my you know we um and we got busted because we what we would do is we, there was like this one there's this one uh street in our neighborhood where there's a stop sign and there was a stop sign because there's a huge bump and so what we would do in the middle of the night is we would just run the stop sign and <laughs> jump the bump and we're in like this, you know, 1982 Honda Civic wagon. Oh. <laughs> and we just do it over and over. And, you know, for we were doing, we were joyriding for a while. And then one one night we like did a jump and we hear a crack. And we're like, oh, what was that? Anyway, we go home. Next day, my sister goes to drive. And then the, the wheel like rolls off. <laughs> oh, <laughs> broke the axle. Broke the axle. Yeah. And so, and so we got in trouble. And then, you know, my dad's spanked us as hard as he's ever spanked us for <laughs> holy shit <laughs> yeah, <we're... laughs> so, so they were they were catholics they were uh uh no southern baptist wait a minute yeah how, how did they become southern baptist because we got sponsored by southern baptist and then were you guys catholics before i mean or buddhist well, i mean you know that's a good question i think my my dad's side is catholic and my mom's side maybe was is christian or was christian mm. 
but I, and so, but, you know, we got sponsored by Southern Baptist and I think that kind of like really like shifted everything to are, that. Are they still practicing? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, my, my mom is, you know, you know, rapture could come any day now kind of. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I have, I grew up in a very, very religious, you know, uh, background, Southern Baptist. Isn't that trippy though? I mean, if you think about it, right? Uh, like that's like white American culture, Southern Baptist, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do we adapt to that? Like, how do we humanly allow that kind of shit to happen to us? You know, dude, by the way, you know what? Before I, 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 I wonder how many people have uh, jumped off or logged off now that they realize I'm not Viet T win. And they're just, <laughs> that, that was my first question. Actually, um, that is actually what I fucking wrote before we get into the other shit. Let's just get to the mammoth question. Uh, the mammoth, the big ass elephant in the room, uh, that this is not the Pulitzer guy. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> that Dude, guy. Yeah. I always thought I was going to be the most famous Viet win, but whatever. <laughs> I work in entertainment. I thought, Oh, I got this. <laughs> no, um, oh. but I think was it was it Viet that said? I mean, the thing is, you know, I mean, I think of of all the Asian Americans, the Vietnamese are the ones who I feel like assimilated or made the biggest attempt to assimilate. And you know, I also, on a political spec side, they're they're probably the most of the Asian Americans who are the, on the conservative side. And uh, so I think I think Vietnamese, I mean, just statistically wanted to fit in, you know, so that's probably what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. I just asked that as a formality. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's but I, it's a formality, but I also want to hear why do you think that, you know, our families succumb to this, you know, the religious side of things and uh but, but okay mean, but i mean isn't it obvious though i like if i feel like it's obvious i mean they escaped a fucking war-torn country and then some people you know the people who took them in were southern baptists and they did it because they said you know our our religion really you know wanted us to do this and you know welcome and all this stuff and so of course they had to you know feel appreciative and you know they were they did a really great big honorable deed for them and of course they felt you know it makes sense for my parents to have wanted to appreciate that and and feel like you know there was something good from all that and you know wanted to dive in and i think you know and then you know the community i i you know is was you know growing up it was, it was it was a nice community for them you know this is this was like i i didn't grow up around a lot of vietnamese people so but this was like the one time the church i think for all, all of us were was when all the vietnamese people oh wow is it vietnamese together, Southern right? Baptist. yeah i mean it was a small group i mean it, the church was maybe 100 at the most and as little as like 20 people you know on you know, throughout the years. Now, with with the Southern Baptists, um, 
is the music a big tradition in your in that uh in that um corner or not really um yeah yeah the music you know a, a lot of hymns and stuff so uh one of the things that my mom did to con pull me into it all was uh so i kind of um started playing piano when i was like i don't know 12 13 ish i was my all my siblings i'm the youngest they all took piano lessons i took like one or two lessons when i was in third grade and hated it so much i just like i wasn't into it but we always had the piano around and then i don't know one day i like just started kind of playing on my own and so i, I learned how to play by ear by like watching my uh my siblings and then before you know it i was i'm like the only one that actually can i mean now i don't play as much but back then i learned how to play piano on my own i kind of i could already kind of read music because i was a band and stuff so i actually kind of learned how to play piano and then my mom's like hey you know she made a deal through the church and she's like hey if you play if you play a song at church i'll pay you ten dollars we'll pay you ten dollars a song and uh ten dollars for every new song five dollars for every song you repeat or whatever and so i became the church pianist for like 12 14 years or whatever oh my so god this is so cool Viet. i never <laughs> knew that yeah so i was i was playing piano for a all church the hymns yeah but you know what's crazy is that when i was in college i joined a improv group and and i was i was a musician for this improv group so i was playing keyboards and it was like you know sixth street on in austin texas uh every friday and saturday night two shows a night and you know we're in this like comedy club and you know the comedy was blue so it's just like you know improv group would be like you know somebody would be like i need a location and then somebody's like vagina or whatever you know Yeah. and so <laughs> that was just like and so like you know midnight i'm like doing this playing music to you know like this you know crude humor and all this st stuff and then you know we stay out at night drinking or whatever and then you know i show up <laughs> i show up to church like a few hours later to go play <laughs> <laughs> okay so the church that you go to is all vietnamese at the time or is it like yeah it's black all or white i mean i think or no we we started off like in no i think so we started off in probably a white predominantly white church and then broke off into a vietnamese section and so our Vien small Vietnamese group wouldn't like meet at the you know like the equivalent of like a gymnasium or whatever Yeah. while they're at the big church they would have a Vietnamese version of the church Okay, and then the the hymns that you're playing are Vietnamese hymns or are they English hymns? they're all they're all English hymns but translated to Vietnamese Trip out. so like what a friend we have in Jesus I I'm fact I mean it was all in Vietnamese but in fact I'm pretty sure after all these years, I could probably still play that song by memory. <laughs> so, you know, I, was, I played piano for church for many years. So, I mean, there's like Christmas songs I could probably, you know, like Joy to the World or whatever I Yeah. could probably just play because I'm just so, I was, I played it for so many years and I haven't played piano in many years now, but those are certain things that I, I think I, you know, it's all muscle memory now. Yeah, that is so cool. I uh I think that's genius on your mom's part. <laughs> So, yeah. does any of this culture, uh this religious culture um ever sort do you ever think about it and like okay i'll return back to it one day like 
when I'm 70 or 60, like it's all going to come back and you're going to go hard or are, so you... are, are, are my parents listening or watching? <laughs> Answer I'm like, wisely. I'm like, I'm like in my forties and still afraid of my parents hearing what, <laughs> um, um, I guess the, the very quick and short answer is fuck no. <laughs> I just I I uh, got 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 the hell out of Texas and uh you know I uh, I yeah never I I was never really into it and uh um and you know I appreciate and respect the community of it all and I respect the values of it all and everything but it's not anything that I I you know was up for me. Yeah. I talk about this every now and then. Um, I had a professor, I think it was Professor Casper at USC um, in, in the late 90s. He said, church and the theater is very similar. We spend about the same amount of time, hour and a half, two hours in this room with a quote unquote, a congregation of people. And we sit there and we listen to these lessons. And we we watch saints or we watch heroes of ours do these things and we walk out as transformed people if the filmmaker did their job um do you find any parallels with you know the 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 church stories and and all of the religious uh um, ideations and 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 ways that stories were being told and does it you ever think that it seeps into your your uh, your way of thinking when you make movies or anything like that Oh, you mean like, do you, do I feel like that both of them are the same because they're both fake? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Are you killing me? <laughs> <laughs> With a fucking um, straight face too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think about any of that stuff, man. I mean, the stuff that, I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> And maybe it's just, it's probably my personality and the stuff that I make, but you know, the stuff I make is like, I don't know, I think is, 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 uh, is, is, uh, you know, maybe it's not that deep. Maybe I'm not a deep person. (laughs) (laughs) Cause when you break down the MCU, it's like a bunch of saints, you know, if you think about it, you know, in 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 the Catholic tradition, it's, it's saints and what's the difference? You know, they all had their superpowers. You pray to them and you you hope that they come and save the day for one right. particular superpower that they have. And very similar to the way we're sort of wired to to really be into this stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, sure. I don't know, dude. I'm probably like the last person you 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 probably want to talk to about religious uh, parallels and stuff. <laughs> it's so funny, you know, Helen, my wife, she's she, you know, she knows more religious stories than I do. She's always like reminding me like, <laughs> and she's like, she knows my background and she's like, what did you ever do in church? And I'm like, I don't know. We like, you know, my brother and I just would sneak you didn't and, like, like walk it. over to the Walgreens across the street and look at stuff and then come back. Or <laughs> So let, let's go back to my very uh, second question about the Viet Thanh win. Are there any funny stories of people reaching out thinking that you're him? Oh, dude, of course. Tell me a few. Uh, Tell me a few of them. I've always um, wanted to ask you. Well, I, I've gotten maybe one, maybe two uh, media requests um, <clears throat> thinking I was them. 
Tell me you fucking did him. I, I yeah, that would have been hilarious. Well, okay, so here's here's the thing. So it's you know what's funny is that so the other thing a little bit about um, my background, not that I want to talk about it too much, but it, it's just part of my little funny story, is so I kind of got started. The way I got started was um, the the creator of the show Veronica Mars and the show iZombie and Party Down. His name is Rob Thomas. And he he's a TV showrunner, writer, showrunner. But not a lot of people know this, but he actually used to be a high school teacher and he was my high school teacher. Oh, shit. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got my start because I was his student and then he went off and blew up. I went to film school. When he created Veronica Mars, he hired me as a PA and then I kind of worked my way up through you know, over the years, um, from like assistant to blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but we've had this conversation because his name is Rob Thomas. Yeah. And, Matchbox 20. Yeah. And he got, he got invited to the white house one time and they called him, they're talking to him. He, you know, and it was all, he needed, they wanted him to talk about education and everything. And he's like, yeah, this makes all sense. He's, he was a high school teacher he wrote Veronica Mars, which took place in high school. It's all about education. Oh, goes, you know, so he's all set. And then like they realize like at the end of the call, they're like, oh wait, you're not Rob Thomas the singer. You're Rob Thomas somebody else. And he's like, Yeah, can I still go though? <laughs> <laughs> and did they let him or no? Yeah, he got to go and he got to meet Obama and everything. Holy um, shit. <laughs> what a but, cool story. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I I keep thinking. I don't know. I, I, the, the problem is, is that like, at least he was like a teacher and he was talking about education, blah, 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 blah. I don't see where my, where I don't, where I connect with Viet T because like, he's like a fucking genius grant dude or whatever. I'm just like some dude who like directed the flash. So like, <laughs> there's, it's not, there's not like gonna, you know, crossover like the other yeah. guy. And so yeah. like when people want to, you know, they call me up and they're like, Hey, we want to, you know, do a media thing with you and to talk about like real issues and stuff. I, you know, I, the only thing I can offer is like, like I got in trouble for not shooting slow-mo one time <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to get invited to the white house accidentally and then still get to go is there a third guy is there another viet win out there that's well apparently there's a soccer player and there's also a chef now and you know and then i also know personally like a doctor and stuff which is all great i mean you know like you I, like i joke that i want the limelight but like i think it's great i like i i told viet t i was like dude we need to like make a project where it's just called the viet win project and we all like do it like we make a short film and like you know he he can write it i'll direct it and we'll find somebody to act in it as a view when to act in it but i i i saw there's like a vfx supervisor or whatever out mm -hmm. there who's like a view win so like we could probably make this really cool project or whatever bring the doctor in as a consultant and you know make a medical i don't know whatever but you know it'd be cool that that sounds like a project that that's a very interesting project you don't need much of them either dozen of them if that yeah come on <laughs> i mean i could wear a million of those hats anyway you know <laughs> so what, what was it like for you growing up um i already told you that dude come on no and no what i meant let me get into this in high school what was it like 
How did you, you know, how did you deal with the people, you know, around you? Because you grew up in Texas, very different from growing up out here, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's funny. I, I should I have always, specified school. That's what, what I really want to know. Yeah. In, in high school, you know, it's funny because I, I, I don't have anything traumatic that happened to me in high school. I'm actually one of those kids who like went through high school and I walked away going, yeah, I enjoyed high school. I mean, I got had a lot of friends and still keep in touch with friends from high school. And, and I had a good time. I mean, <clears throat> it was also, I mean, yeah, I was like a, I was like a, a, you know, kind of a punk kid. And, but, you know, I took that class and, um, that kind of inspired me and then so so basically what we, we were were we it was a broadcast journalism class and so i just kind of learned how to you know we we're like basically doing the news and we we're do like two shows a week <clears throat> but i mean the thing is when you have a camera and you're like and you know you do the news every every day or whatever everybody starts to see that you're the guy that could put them on tv <laughs> so like in high school everybody like like was nice to me and my friends because you know they're like hey interview me so i can be on the news or whatever right and right so, you know it's not, i didn't have a i didn't have a tough you know high school experience or anything i um and uh I, you know i generally got along with everyone but, you know i think one of the things was my my school um was predominantly a a uh, school of of you know, it was like mostly people of color. And so I don't know, I took pride in that too. I, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I, you know, I didn't come from a, you know, I didn't come from a rich neighborhood at all or anything like that. It was, you know, and, uh, and then somehow like, you know, my teacher, he's like, he was a teacher there. And like, now he's like, you know, a showrunner in Hollywood. And somehow I got out of there and like, I'm, I'm a working director or whatever. So, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I took, I took pride in, in, um, I take pride in having gone to that school, but I also just, I didn't have a, I didn't have a terrible time there. Well, once you got out of high school and you got into college and university, you were, were you, did you know that this is going to be the track that you're going to go on? You know, it's I, at the very, very beginning of, of college. I, I, um, I was, uh, I was going to do broadcast journalism and then I switched and then never looked back. So I, I switched to film and studied film at University of Texas. So <clears throat> what what made you switch? Well, you know, I, I think I, it was a practical thing. So when I was in high school uh, and, I, you know, I was under in Rob's class, I actually got this. Uh, did you guys uh, did you guys ever have uh, Channel One? You know what we, Channel One was? We did. We had it. It's on like that one screen in the corner of the the, the yeah. classroom. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like so basically, and I think it's still around. But like basically, what they did was it's like national news for uh, junior high and high school, and it's like twelve minutes, and they say, "Hey, if you guys just take twelve minutes of your time to show the news, we will provide a TV in every single classroom for you for free." And so uh, our school district did it, and so that's how i was able to do broadcast journalism that's why rob even created that class because he's like oh now that we have like a whole system in our school now we can make our own news mm -hmm. program so then um but what happened was while i was there they had a competition to uh bring in student reporters and producers and stuff and spend two weeks with them at a fellowship and then produce the news for for their for their program for two weeks 
So you mean actually, Channel One, like the main uh-huh, main channel, channel One, came in and they showed up and said, "Hey, look, we're gonna they do did, this." Well, they didn't. No, they they did like, "Hey, accepting submissions or whatever," you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like when I was in high school, uh, I didn't even think about it, but Rob was the one that said, "Hey, you should submit for that," and I was like, "Okay, I don't know." And so um, I just submitted for like, you know, um, I, I don't even remember what the title was. And, um, and then I got it, I got in, they said there's like thousands of submissions and I, I got, I was like one of the 12 they took in. So I got to go to LA and, um, produce the news. And, you know, I, during that time I met Lisa Ling, she was a reporter there. Random. And so, yeah, like I, I'm not sure. I think Lisa Ling remembers who I am. Cause I haven't seen her since then, like literally since that but I have a lot of overlapping friends with her now. And so eventually I'm sure we'll run into each other and I'll be like, Hey, do you remember me? But, um, you know, of course that was the beginning of her journalism career. I mean, she started out like she was like 19 years old at the time and doing the news and stuff. And then of course she has like a very decorated career now. And so during that time I was, you know, like I, I got to do this program. And so I was like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of good at this. And, and, you know, and it also kind of made sense for my parents to support me because I was like winning, I got that. And then I like won another fellowship where I got to go to Atlanta and do some journalism and stuff. And I was like 18 years old. So, um, and then I, I, I was like a finalist to be actually become like a student journalist for like a year at Channel One following that too, but that didn't work out, but I, I got really close. So. I mean, at the time it was like, oh, it kind of made sense. I like had all this momentum in this journalism thing. And um, so I, for, for a second, I just thought, oh, well, it seems like, you know, because of the awards I have, it's good. I already have a resume to right. kind of springboard myself into that. But, you know, in the end, I was just like, I, I didn't like catching news. I didn't like catching, catching the shots. And, um, and, and, you know, I just also, felt like there, you know, back then when, after going to some conferences and stuff, I did feel like there's a little bit of manufacturedness to the yeah. story storytelling. And I was like, well, if I'm going to make up a story, I might as well just like set up my own shots and do all that yeah. stuff. So I was just, was, just got into film a little bit more. And so, um, pursued that instead. So, and, and when you switched over, did you sort of have like a, like a voice in, in your mind going, this is the kind of movies I want to make. Like, this is the kind of like vision that you had for uh, the projects that you wanted to do or not well, really? Well, I mean, I, I will say, okay. I, I remember sitting in class and there, there's a, there was a, uh, like a, one of the classes where we had to sit in, a, we were all sitting in a circle and we had to talk about a project that we wanted, we were going to do for the semester. And everybody, you know, like not to, generalize too much and be too much of a cliche, but you know, there's a lot of film students, right? So they're, everybody's going around, they're like, you know, I want to make this movie that has this blurry line between reality and fiction and, you know, a lot of Terrence Malicky kind of stuff, you yeah. know? And which is fine, whatever. And then like, I was last in it and they're like, what do you, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to make, I want to make like a bad boys. <laughs> like, I want to make this action movie and I have some footage here and like I I made my brother jump off this cliff and fell into the water and here's a fight scene I did or whatever 
And everybody was just like, what? And then, you know, the, a friend of mine who's a professor over at UT now, um, we, we, we still keep in touch after all these years, but he's like, I still to this day remember that. <laughs> and he's like, I want to be friends with that guy. <laughs> but, you know, like, I just wanted to make popcorn movies. So, <laughs> and yeah, I, I think that's what I still do now. Like, a, I think I pretty much, that's my vibe. So I don't know. Never, never was into the, like the, okay. Didn't say anything. It's just not my thing. You know, it's all yeah. beautiful work though. You, you wouldn't be a fitting Chris Din though. <laughs> oh dude, we, we, it's funny how much we work together, but we have a lot of, I mean, of course we have a very similar vibe and things, but we disagree on movies all the time. He, he does tend to like a lot of the, those kinds of movies which is great. I mean, I think that's what makes us better, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not like that at all. Yeah. I, I, I never realized that I always, uh, you know, didn't know. I just didn't know that you were not, uh, Terrence Malicky or, you know, that kind of, yeah. That no, kind of dude, vibe. Yeah. So when you're all like your precision and blah, 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 you'd think things through. And I'm like, fuck are you talking about dude <laughs> that's the image i've always you know and I, I guess i'm way off you know it's not that that i was trying to read you or anything but no i know i know yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got your shit together i mean you like you know you look at all of the other you know our peers and it's you know it's it's hard a business to, to to break into uh getting as far as you got you know well i, I think <laughs> i think to quote my wife my wife helen who you know she she sometimes gets mad at me for being so happy all the time. She's always like, you're always happy and always in a good mood about everything. But she's like, I know why you're happy. It's because you're dumb. You don't know any better. <laughs> a few people came out of that Channel One, um, you, you, right? Oh yeah, program? like Anderson Cooper. I didn't get to meet Anderson. Like Anderson Cooper was like, he was a badass back then. And we're all, and like, I remember showing up and going, I want to meet Anderson Cooper. Where is he? And he was off, you know, some war country. But but Anderson Cooper had already made it when you were going through the program. Like he was already on CNN at the time. Or? No, no, he was on that program. What at the yeah. same time that so Dude, you guys? I'm were... old, man. Come on, man. I'm old. Man, he was, he was a student reporter. I always thought, you know I always think of you as your early thirties. You know. Yeah, that's how old I am. <laughs> wow. So Anderson Cooper and you together, huh? Right around yeah. the same time. And not together, but you know. No, he was he was older. He was probably probably at least ten years older. But you know, he was there. He was at Channel One at the time. Lisa Ling, uh, Serena Achel was she was the MTV News person, but she was there at the time, I think. Um, and then a couple of other other guys. I don't know if they ever stuck stayed with the news thing. Sure. Let me ask you, with with the success that you've had, like how much of this shit is luck and how much of this shit is real like hard work and grind and then it Dude, gets i it's it's both hmm. it's absolutely both. tell me about your journey tell me but the well, mixture I, of i i i think i mean you know i think there's you know there's so many sayings for it but you know for the same thing which is you know when you get that opportunity you know, make the most of it kind of thing. So, uh, via T win would probably come up with, with a lot better things than what I just came up with. But, um, <laughs> but you know, like I, 
well, first of all, Rob Thomas was my fucking teacher. So that always helps. But he didn't, you know, like when he called me up and he's like, I, I got the show I just created. It's called Veronica Mars. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to direct. And he's like, no, you're not going to direct. That's not how it goes. But, you know, <laughs> I'll give you your foot in the door. Like, But he actually you... said that? What? He actually said that? that that's yeah, not how... like, yeah, that's not how it works. You don't, you, I can't just let you direct the show. So, but I'll let you, I'll, I'll get your foot in the door. So, um, what, what's like a job in, you know, TV that you think you could do? And I was like, well, I guess editing was, is something that I've always been good at on my short films and stuff. So he's like, all right, well, I'll make you a, a production assistant, like the very, very first, you know, like, you know, entry level, yeah. entry level job in post-production and you can work your way up to becoming an editor. So I became post, you know, post PA and on Veronica Mars and, you know, like I would go out and get the lunches for everybody. I'd go deliver everything, you know, and just do it happily. And then eventually, but, you know, during all that time, I was also like trying to like, just do more and network and stuff. And I was like, I went on Craigslist and I saw like, um, a listing for like an editor needed for a Vietnamese program. Um, and it was that, uh, oh fuck, what was it called with Kathy? Kathy was the host of it. Um, not V star, right? No. Um, it, it, le it only lasted like four episodes and it got shut down. Yeah. Um, it's Kathy and, um, oh my God, I can't believe I, I can't remember what it was called. Um, the, anyway, so it was this, this, this show and I saw it on Craigslist. I go in, I submit some stuff and then I go in and I just like edit stuff on Final Cut Pro. And, um, do you, I don't know if you remember this, but like the show aired, but then like they, they used the word like Ho Chi Minh or they. Yeah, I remember. Now I remember. Yeah. And then it got shut down. Right. So it lasted like four episodes, but that's where I met Kathy. I met um, another friend of mine, John Wynn, who's an editor now. He he ended up becoming an uh, assistant editor with me. I, we we became friends. We were the two editors on the show, or two of the editors on the show, and we're still friends now. Um, but so what's crazy is that okay, so I was doing that. So like I'm working 12 hours a day as a PA on Veronica Mars. After 12 hours, I drive down to Orange County oh, and do this shit. Stuff. But you know, I'm like you know young single like what else though am i gonna do yeah. you know so i'm like doing that but i'm i'm volunteering i'm editing for free right so but then while i'm at veronica mars they're like hey a situation just happened where we need another editing team to come in so we need we're gonna bump up our assistant editor and then we can bump you up as an as as the as the pa to become the that editor's assistant editor got it and so I was like, sweet. But then the problem is you have to be in the editor's guild. You have to be in the union for this. Mm -hmm. So then Rob Thomas calls the fucking guild and says, Hey, let him, let him join the guild. And they're like, no, there's a million assistant editors out there. So sorry. However, I go back to the Vietnamese program guy and I was like, Hey, can you, can can you just vouch for me that i was like editing uh -huh. over here or whatever and so he was able to produce paperwork possibly illegally to to say that i'd been an editor 
with him. And then I submitted that to be able to join the Editors Guild. And so then I was able to become an assistant editor um, when the opportunity came around. And this is all just because I was just randomly driving into Orange County and volunteering just to network and stuff. And so I, you know, when the opportunity came, I was prepared and I, uh, I was able to join the guild, jump in, become an assistant editor. I eventually, you know, the show went three seasons. The, the last season was where, when I was like full-time assistant editor on Veronica Mars. But then when um, Party Down, the show called Party Down on Stars got created, um, I was able to become, that was my first show I, I was an editor on. And that was like around 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Wow. So, and again, uh, but you know, Stars, I, I edited the pilot. Stars was like, you know, so Rob Thomas goes, okay, this is our editor on the show. And Stars goes, who is this guy? He's never edited anything. He has no credits as an editor. He's just, he's like your assistant editor from Veronica Mars. And Rob writes this long ass letter, email to them saying, no, this is why I want him. They're like, okay. And then I got that show. And then, and then they ended up, you know, stars ended up loving my work and stuff. So, and then I, from there, I was able to kind of bounce around from show to show and, and edit other stuff. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of fucking luck, obviously, like Rob Thomas, the first thing of it all, but I also had to kind of like do a good job. Like, you know, so when he wrote this letter and vouched for me on Party Down, I actually, I could have fucked it all up, but I did a good enough job to, to not only, you know, preserve my job, but, you know, do well enough to get other jobs and stuff. But it's, it's almost like you created the, the energy for that you created the opportunity by going down to you know orange county and and putting in your you said you were volunteering basically right yeah yeah so i mean but you know that but that you know so it's i think aren't they both hand in hand it's like that win you know could have you know the dude like twisted his ankle on a freaking sprinkler but like that could have like totally yeah. screwed it all up when he got came in to go play but he he did well Killed and then there you go so it's like, you know, you, you, you also have to be ready for it. And unfortunately, I, I know plenty of people who have gotten opportunities, but weren't able to make the most of it. And, you know, I would say like, as I was growing in my career, I, I've, you know, gotten opportunities and we didn't, you know, like Chris and I, we, we get to write a, you know, script for NBC and we didn't make the most of it. We kind of blew that and, you know, that was done. So, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, like we we there were, we we had done uh, our our short Crusher Skull and it won uh, this NBC festival, and as part of the winning thing, we got a blind script deal with NBC, so we got to write a pilot for NBC. And I think that if we were more prepared for it and we had laid a little bit more groundwork and had more writing samples and blah blah blah, a bunch of other factors in place. I mean, like, for instance, if I were to have a blind script now in in my career, I think we would be way more equipped to make the most of that. But, you know, so, I, you know, I think I think it goes it, both ways. Yeah, it's it's there's a little bit of luck, but there's also, you know, there's also you you've got to be ready. And we weren't you know, there's times when you're ready and you're not. And Luckily, in my career, I've been more ready. And when I got the opportunities than, than not so. 
Hmm. I'm thinking about that. Yeah. Because it just seems such a... There's so much chance and at any time people give up because it's it's you you really don't know it's not like you take the mcats and you know your score and then you get in and then you you know it's not it's not ever um in show business a a straight and and and, and for some people it's a very quick path like they get there really fast right it's, and for for most other people there's uh transitions and sometimes you pivot i mean but and then for most people they just drop out but don't you think that like the, the the quick path stories are so few i mean it's a probably percent. like one percent a or percent less. you know so and but you know those are the flashy stories those are the like the the napoleon dynamites or the you know the spielbergs who are just like you know just come out flying but you know th those are they're flashy stories but i mean I, I just feel like there's so many worker bees out there who kind of had to just like get through it. And then, yeah, there's, and then, you know, there's, and I don't know. I, I just think there's, there's also, there's also, it's so funny, like in this, in this business, how there are two different muscles that you have to use to, to work in projects. It's like, for me as an episodic director, it's like, I have to have the skills to be a director. And so to get on a set and, shoot a show and blah 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 but that's that has nothing to do with when i have to interview for that these jobs that's a whole other muscle mm. that has nothing to do with that like they have no you know like they could possibly ask me how i how well i am with a crew or how organized i am but they don't but, know but they don't know but so your 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 interview with them is is important in a totally different way, way and it, yeah. it's also and, and it's just you know letting making sure that they understand that you understand what you what their show is or you know and it's a totally different thing it has nothing to do with the technical aspect of getting on a set and directing a tv show so i don't know it's there's you know it's it's yeah. there's compartments to everything yeah and that's the next question I want to get into um, compartments and directions in two different ways, film and TV. Is that something that uh, you, you choose um, or is yeah. that something? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, my job right now is episodic director. So that's, that's what I'm getting paid to do. That's what, um, that's what I, I have proven myself as. And so I jump around from show to show and I, you know, I promise these, you know, showrunners that I understand their vision and I can make it cool and do everything that they ever want for it and everything. And, you know, I, I'm luckily in a situation where I do that pretty well now and I can pick and choose which ones I want to do and based off of, you know, my home life and schedule, like, you know, scheduling issues and all that stuff and I can, you know, for instance, I, I have two young kids and I don't want to travel very much because I don't like to ditch my family. So luckily I'm in a situation where I can I can do that now and and not overcommit to having to travel all the time just to work or whatever. Um, but, you know, I got a couple of, uh, you know, feature films. Chris and I have a script right now floating around that we were trying to get made and 
and uh you know those those are the things that um those are the words that we wrote ourselves and those you know um writing and directing and making producing our own words and with our own cast and all that stuff and crew and stuff is is the dream even if we don't make a shit ton of money doing it it but being able to own it completely is is kind of the thing that we're chasing so and you know i am i am i feel like i'm you know doing pretty well as a tv director but it's still that hard to get a movie going your own your own movie going you know so why is that uh it compartments you know it's like uh I'm, i'm known as a tv guy now and so um it's just seeing you know proving yourself to that you can you can make it in the uh in the end in the film market in the future yeah and so no and what is the difference what is the what is the real difference when when you're in a room and the people in there are thinking they're reading your 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 cv or they're reading the your background they're like this is a tv director because you brought it up and is there a real thought in their mind like this is not a feature film director or this is a TV. Is there a distinction? Is there a difference? Dude, I don't know. I don't have that answer. I mean, I'm guessing that, you know, maybe um, they they think TV may not, you know, unless it's like, you know, big cinematic TV, premiere TV, uh, prestige TV. I mean, um, VAT win, of course, would have come up with better words. Um, yeah, I don't know. That That's a good question. That's a good question. But, you know, I mean, um, you're, you're looking at TV today and it's it looks what I mean, what's the difference anymore? In pretty, fact, pretty great. It's pretty great. Right? It's great. And, you know, but maybe maybe it comes down to, you know, the scripts that I that, you know, the film, film I want to make is not is also not um, it's also written by me, which I don't make a living writing. I make a living directing. So, um, so in a way, maybe it's, I'm trying to find somebody to believe in me as a writer now, even though I've never made anyone money writing. So I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a whole, that's a different compartment now. Now we're talking about something very different, right? Because now you're saying, this is the essence of who I, like, this is what I'm seeing. These are the visions that I see. Can you buy into this? Can you invest? Can you make money off what I'm seeing? And that's a different skill, right? Now, Wynn could sell something. He could write something right now. I mean, I think he is, in fact, because he makes money writing. So I I just needed to add a T to my name. Yeah. All roads lead go. back to Viet T. <laughs> I think we, 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 we're, you know, it's Viet T's world and we're just living in it. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. T for T is for Titan. <laughs> yeah. Top. So it, it, it's, is it just a matter of like explaining to these gatekeepers that, you know, this is what, how I see, you know, this is how I see the, the shit on the board and, and this is what I want to make and kind of. Dude, I don't know. Why are you asking him? me, man? I don't have this answer. If I but had the been, answer, I'd be making a movie right now, man. You, you've been through this. You've been going through, you know, all these Dude, years. I've, and... I've, uh, you know, 
there, I've had so many things fall through and die. Chris and I can tell you, we probably should start a wall of shame. <laughs> I mean, there's so much shit that has like fallen through and that's just the nature of it. So, you know, and you know, I, maybe, you know, the Vietnamese of it all too, is that I, you know, we, for some reason, we're a glutton for this fucking pain, but we keep, you know, trying to do other stuff and then we suffer through it again. And then, you know, we, you know, and then, you know, that's what we do. And maybe for some reason, um, it'll happen one day, <laughs> but who knows? I don't know. But, you know, for us also, you know, we keep thinking, well, I mean, if we can't get, get something done on a studio level or whatever, indie film level, we'll go off and, do another uh, crush a skull and shoot something super low budget with our friends and do that again and just chase that that high. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, makes yeah, sense. We'll see. We'll see what we're gonna do. We have no makes, idea. Makes a lot of sense. I have a question for you. I have a lot of questions. Um, you don't seem to party and socialize on the circuit as much as uh, <laughs> as much as the others. Uh, you know, and I know a few guys that don't. Um, and they're doing well. And I know a few guys that, that do a lot of it and they do well. Um, oh, this is why you thought I was like a Terrence Malick type. <laughs> it's all coming around now. I'm like this like hermit that's always just thinking, man. Just always thinking so hard. We, we see each other a few times a year. I, but I don't see you on the, you know, on, on, on a, you know, social circuit. We, yeah, we see each other. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I get, well, I, I would say, first of all, like, first of all, anybody who's watching or listening to this, who the fuck cares? First of all, <laughs> no one cares if I am like, you know, parting with other people or not. But I mean, I just to answer your question, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, maybe I, I don't, I, I, I work so much. I would, when I'm home, I, the time that I have, I want to hang out with my family and play with my kids. And, and yes, uh, maybe listening to kids Bob all day doesn't sound great to everybody, but for me, I love watching my kids dancing to kids Bob. And I guess for me, I also know that because I have to work so much and when I'm gone, sometimes the equivalent of like six months out of the year or whatever, it makes me appreciate my time when with my kids and I don't want to turn around and see that they're, you know, angry teenagers and they don't want to hang out with me anyway. So I think that's probably it. I mean, yeah, I, it's, um, I, I asked, it's more a strategic question in terms of, you know, networking and you know, how much of that is important to, you know, getting the jobs and getting doors oh, yeah. opened up. Well, I don't know, like who, who am I going to network with that's going to, gonna i don't know like i don't know i i uh my i guess for me also i just my networking is just from working you know i i so i i guess i work and i don't know i don't know dude i it's uh um you know i guess also i'm lucky enough to say you know i have like agents and managers who help me you know do that kind of stuff so i don't feel like I have to do like the, you know, dog and pony show for people and with people and all that stuff. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a great answer. Great well, answer. First, but you know, 
I'd also like to just like circle back and say, no one fucking cares about that. <laughs> so, what, do, what do you mean? Nobody cares. No about one it? fucking cares why I'm like, you know, I'm not socializing. I don't think. No, no, no. I I don't think anybody cares. I am just curious about. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think anybody cares about any of the conversation. But... I know. Who, everyone, everyone's already gone, man. They, they thought I won a fucking Pulitzer and, you know, <laughs> and they found out that you weren't. No. <laughs> You're, you're absolutely right. Nobody gives a shit. But I am curious about that. I'm curious about it in terms of, you know, because I've, I watched this a lot. The two decades around, you know, I, I grew up in L.A. I watched this stuff a lot. And I sometimes I, I wonder, like, you know, there's people who are like my brother and you who don't go out, but they're busy as fuck. They don't have to socialize. They just somehow the work comes to them. And then I have friends who are, you know, always networking and being out there and they're very busy as well and things happen um in a, in a way that you know and i think for me just deep down inside i'm trying to answer my own i'm trying to find answers to my own way of life i, I i'm making excuses to to say you know because i love to be out and i love to be around people and i just you know i'm right, wondering right. all the time what 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 but, works for people and i think maybe that's it too it's like you're you you know you're a social animal and, and and you love that and there's nothing wrong with that and you know so that's great and and for me i i social in a different way i guess like i i like i like a i like i'm very 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 close to like a, a handful of people yeah instead of close to like 50 people and and uh, you know, I see a lot of people who are really good. I get, you know, like I feel like Chris is like very good at being a really good friend to a lot of people. And, and I've always like admired that about him because he, he can connect with so many different types of people in so many different kinds of ways. And, you know, and he's, you know, he's just any, he, and he's not making any of that up. It's all, it's yeah. just his natural genuine character. Hate. Yeah. 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 Good guy. Genuinely good guy. Yeah. Do you do you follow a lot of Vietnamese uh, uh, film and cinema back in Vietnam? And do you follow a lot of Korean um, film and cinema? I I try to I try to follow as much as I can, and um, and then the Korean stuff. Uh, by the way, if people have not noticed, my wife is Korean, so maybe that's why you're asking. But yeah, she watched. We 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 will follow. We will watch. You know, of course, we watch Squid Game and held down and stuff like that the tv shows and stuff so um but you know she goes deep into like the korean like a reality show dating shows and stuff and um that's where i i walk away i can't i can't do that stuff but uh, yeah but i tried to you know Baltran, i you know friend another friend of ours loved his movie and you know he's he's a good guy who's gonna be like blowing up soon and you know so we talk a lot too so. talk about tenacity huh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had Bao on the show as well, and Bao, you know, made that conscious decision not to to move down here, and that's another thing I respect so much. Yeah, yeah. Know? I love how Bao's all like, "Oh, you know, I started when I was late. I was like twelve, and I'm like, what the fuck are you saying, dude? Come on, twelve? <laughs> Shut up." <laughs> but being so far away, I mean, uh, you know, and yeah, you know, it's funny because whenever I talk to Bao. I always forget he's not local. I always yeah. think of he's local. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. And he pulled uh, it off. Pulled it yeah. off. Made a great movie. Yeah. So, yeah, good for him. I mean, and again, Vietnamese. 
Vietnamese style, dog. <laughs> yep, that's that's he embodies that. Yeah, it's that tenacity that you know that um, indie filmmaking using using all the skills, you know, yep. finding a way, not shortcutting but not shortcutting, making it look good. So I, I want to ask this question: Going back to Korean and Vietnamese cinema, like how far are we, and what are the things, in your opinion, that needs to happen to to make Vietnamese cinema? move up well if you're talking it's funny um if you're talking about vietnamese in vietnam cinema i'm probably not the person to ask because i i don't know that but i do know as a vietnamese american trying to do stuff here um i mean i just you know all i all i know is that when uh parasite won the oscar all of a sudden everybody was interested in korean stuff and I think that's what's going to, it's going to come down to something like that for us. I mean, um, and I don't know who's going to do it, but, you know, I, I think in America, it's also different because we, we are all Asian, Asian American. We're in the Asian American category as well as the Vietnamese American. So it's, uh, it's a couple of categories that we're, we're trying to just come through with, you know, um, Crazy Rich Asians maybe is helping a little bit with the Asian American community. And then, and so I, I don't know, it's like, um, I don't know, I don't know which Vietnamese filmmaker is gonna, you know, step up and kind of put us in a little bit more of a spotlight because, you know, I feel like, like if one of us does well, then, then the other, you know, the spotlight starts to open up for the others. So, you know, I, I don't have an answer. Um, I'm just hopeful and I feel like we have a lot of guys out there who are doing great stuff. And, and, uh, I think, you know, the best that we can do is just support ourselves, each other and, yeah. um, you know, um, act as if we're a unit, one unit and, uh, you know, keep trying to keep trying to just like, you know, go out there and, and do lift each other. Yeah. 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 And, and I feel for the most part, uh, the the people the men and women in in the Vietnamese American film community are very supportive of each other. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like it's it's such a it's such a great community. I mean, you know, Chris and I met each other from um, going to VC uh, to uh, not VC uh, Viet Film uh, Fest. Viet Film Fest. We met each other there, and yeah. specifically, um, I think I was watching one of Nate Dean's films or something. And they were dating at the time. Oh, <laughs> sorry. So old so wounds. Old wounds. <laughs> How can you, Viet? You're a heartless man. But um, we, you know, and I was friends with Nadine first, actually, and then I met Chris, and um, we just happened to just like you know hit it off, and so yeah, I mean, I think I think it's also then. Once, you know, once one of us becomes yeah. like that John Chu, Justin Lin level, then it's also uh, up to us to start making more stuff uh, about Vietnamese people. So it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of steps involved. And, you know, it's, it's hard. It's going to be, it's hard for any, any, anyone. Yeah, any ethnicity, not just Vietnamese. I mean, yeah. you know, 
so and there you what there's like there's a small community of us yeah in, in entertainment so you you when you think about like a movie right you, on a tiny movie a five million dollar movie you don't need five million to start a business you you'd be crazy to start a business with a hundred grand think about it right you don't ever go to a like you, when you think about businesses like a bakery or restaurant or whatever at the, at the smallest level a hundred grand is a lot of money and then you're asking people to put in five million for a tiny small ass movie yeah. it's crazy it's mind-boggling if you think about it right oh yeah that's crazy but i don't know it's you know like you can go I mean, Baltran didn't make Paper Tigers for five million, but right. his job was to make it look like it was a five million dollar yeah. movie. So again, skills. Yeah. use your Vietnamese skills to you know. I I, I feel like, you know, I, I'm you know when we made Crush the Skull, um, it was a very low budget movie, and um, but I don't know. I kind of think it looked like it cost more than it did. So. Um, and I, and I just feel like if, you know, for me, at least it's like, if I really am dying to, you know, at some point when I'm, you know, going around trying to do this whole studio thing, trying to get our next movie off the ground and it's not going to work, we're just going to say, fuck this. And we're just going to shoot something and we're, you know, yeah. and we have to shoot it on my iPhone 13 pro or whatever. Um, we're going to do it. And, um, and I think it's just going to come down to that for any of us, you know, it's like if, if we can't go do the little dance and, you know, look pretty enough for whoever is going to write that check, then we're going to go and just do it ourselves. And, uh, I mean, I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think th that's how, that's how you get content. Yeah, that, some dude, some dude made something like, uh, like a better luck tomorrow and look where that guy's at. Right. Yep. I mean, MC Hammer wrote him a check, but <laughs> so I'm going to be friends with MC Hammer first. Then, you know, MC Hammer's already written that check, so I got to find somebody else. Yeah, he, he's Ice out there. Vanilla Ice. Ice, he flips houses, and I think he'd write a check. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing well. I think he's doing well in Florida. You ever, you ever uh, think about going to? To Vietnam and, and uh, making films. Yeah, I thought about it, and I, I'm. It's still open. I, you know, I think it's harder now with kids in school, and yeah, you know, I'm not the vagabond type of family where we'll, we would just like pack the whole family up and go. But um, I don't know. The right project came, and and then also, you know, when this damn pandemic is over, we can start making bolder decisions. Yeah, stuff. sure thing. Mm. Okay, I, I I'm not. This is not the last question, but I'm saving. I've saved it. But Helen had told me that uh, to ask you about the Branch Davidian, uh, the time you spent in Waco. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's it's not that great of a story. I mean, it's all right. So my class, the class that I was in with Rob Thomas was journalism teach, uh, broadcast journalism teacher. We, you know. I'm a junior in high school. I'm, you know, show up to school one day, one morning, and the news is on. Um, and, 
you know, Rob has CNN on instead of whatever. And it's all the ATF, all those guys just kind of like, you know, surrounding the compound at that point. So it was like the very beginning, it just happened. And, um, you know, helicopter footage is just like, holy shit, you know, this compound is being surrounded by the ATF right now. Da, 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 da. And, uh, you know, it's a big standoff because they had shot some bullets at so and so and blah, blah, blah. So we don't know what's going to happen. And I don't remember how long the standoff happened, but this is the very, very beginning of it all. And we're watching it and I'm looking at the screen and then I turn to my friend and I said, you know, Waco's an hour and a half away. And, um, and my friend, who my skater buddy, you know, groomsman, he's down for anything. To this day, he's still down. Like if I were to say something crazy like this, he would be like, well, yeah, let's do it. And we, we have kids and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, he's just like a bro like that. We were like skater punks together and stuff. He's like, he's like, yeah, man, let's do it. And then Rob, standing next to us, goes, if you guys are talking about skipping school to go report on this story, I do not condone what you're doing. However, these are the questions that maybe you should ask. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like starts writing down some questions or whatever. Holy like, shit. So we like grab our cameras. What time was this was in the morning? This was in the morning, like probably nine in the morning or whatever. So we jump in my little Honda CRX and uh, we drive up to Waco. We don't even fucking know where we're going, man. We just went to Waco. We just drove to Waco. Okay. So oh. we're like in Waco. We're just like, I don't even, I don't, my friend probably can remember how we found the place, but we'd like found our way or maybe, I don't know, maybe we just saw news vans or whatever driving in a direction. So we just started following those. Like we literally had no mm. idea what we we're doing. We we're just like 17 year old kids showing up to go re report on the story. So then we finally get to it. We get to a checkpoint, some sheriff, some, you know, local sheriffs are letting cars through or not, you know, they're saying, you know, here's, there's the compounds right over there, you know, so we drive up. Here's the thing, Rob, I don't, I don't know why he thought of this or maybe just because he was just like a journalism teacher or whatever, but at the beginning of school, he had us all make, he used the, oh. the student ID machine, but he Press made passes. us media passes. Fuck. So it's just, our school was named, um, our school is John H. Reagan. By the way, he's like a Confederate or whatever. <laughs> it's changed now, but <laughs> so we're Reagan and he, it was said Reagan media on, on this path. Oh, it said like some random shit, like, you know, uh, entrance to events, blah, 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 blah. And it has our picture on it. And it says just Reagan media. So we just did this. And honestly, it was, it was just our way to get, to go like report on a football game and not have to pay for our ticket. So we, we would have all of our Reagan media, like we, we would have like, you know, cameras and boom mics or whatever. And then we just say, Reagan, we're here to do the news for the, for the football game. So we just go in, right? We pull out our fucking Reagan media. Wow. Fuck, this yeah. is a good story. Yeah. This is a good story. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the guy is like, so we, we pass, we hand over our IDs and the guy's like, Reagan media? What's Reagan media? We're like, we report for high school. We report high school news. And he's like, high school? I don't want no high schoolers getting all shot up around here. <laughs> he's all like thinking. He's like, 
all right, just keep your head down. And he like, holy shit. <laughs> so <laughs> we go through and we're like, sweet. So we go in and we like just follow wherever. And there's all these like, you know, media ATF. Tricks. Yeah. Or media people. No, media tricks. So there, the ATF was like probably like maybe like 200 yards away, maybe a hundred yards away. And then there was a media. Right. And then, so we like parked my little Honda CV or CRX next to like a, you know, New station van. satellite van or whatever. And I think we're even like, you know, they all had all these lights and stuff set up. And so we were like, just like standing over to the side where there's like overage of lights, you know, cause we didn't even have lights, you know? And we, I don't know, we we're just so dumb. So like the, the guy, okay. So I don't know if you remember what happened, but like, there's a guy, there was a reporter who basically was driving up. He was like a local reporter driving up to the, to the compound to do a story just like like and i think over the years they always would just go in and like interview these guys because you know they were like crazy compound cult people so they'd yeah. always like it's like the local story or whatever and but they didn't know that the atf were barred were coming in that day oh, shit. so the news van was coming in and then the the cult people looked out and saw the news van coming but then they looked out beyond that and they saw you know the atf yeah whatever tanks or whatever things they drove i don't know what those things were so then they start shooting at the news van oh shit so then those guys stopped and then they're like oh you know all this stuff so then um cnn was reporting uh was was interviewing those guys those news van people who just got shot at and so like right during that like i don't know if it was me or my friend but we're like can we interview you now <laughs> And the guy's like, okay. And he's just like, you know, they're kids. And he's like a news guy, right? So he's just like, who the fuck are these kids, right? But then we interviewed him. And I think we even, we didn't even ask the right questions, I don't think. I think we were just like, oh, you know, it was just like really dumb questions and stuff. But, you know, he was a news guy. So he just like said all the quotes we needed. He gave us all the sound bites. And the guy was just like, you know, I was thinking about my children. I thought I was going to die and all this stuff. So he was just saying all these quotes and everything. And so we just came back with all this footage. And, you know, like in the end, I I don't remember. I think I saw the story a couple of years ago. Or I don't remember. I don't remember. And I just remember feeling very over underwhelmed by the story because we were just like dumb kids who like cut together these sound bites. But you know, it was just crazy how we got that footage. And I remember coming back and Rob going, what the, f I can't fucking believe you guys got this. You know, he, he thought, I mean, for him, he probably thought, okay, they're going to try to get over there and they're going to just turn him around and come back. Like he, I don't think he ever, ever thought that we would show back up with footage. See, but that's the kind of shit that many years later you get hired and subconsciously like Rob is thinking like that fucker is going to go and fucking do this shit and and handle it. He's going to handle it. He's going to fucking go out and because earlier in the interview, you and I were talking and you said, well, I want to direct Veronica. Right. And then he's like, that, that's not how it works. And I was going to ask you at the time, what made you think that you could just ask to direct? Right. So so there's this level of like, I think in, in anybody who's like a mentor or you know, you look at the the, the 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 kid and you're just like, this guy's got the ball sack, the the, the ganas to to just go and do it, to just like step up and, and do it. I mean, that's no fear. I 
I would think twice to drive up to like a place where they're going to shoot up and ATF's there. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. But you did what? it. What? Come on. I don't you think I did. Gone. I don't know. You would have gone. I think Maybe I would have like gone, but been like in that, you know, like that soldier uh, in Saving Private, right? You know, he was under the, the stairway and he, like cowering and afraid maybe yeah okay marine okay marine no but i mean i, I think it all also was just uh, that rebellious nature too right it's yeah. just like going yeah let's do it you know it's like again i almost feel like the the rush of getting that interview and getting through and mm -hmm. doing all that stuff was better than actually just reporting on the story <laughs> you know it's like it, it was just like more fun getting it and um what time then, did you guys yeah. leave the compound? So we just did that interview. We were there for just a couple of hours, two or three hours, however long it was. I don't even remember. And then we came home. And then, you know, I think the standoff was like for what, another month after that? And then they raided in and then shit went down. So, but we were there at the very, very mm, beginning, beginning before all the shit went down. So we were there at the, like the day of the standoff. And then, you know. So anyway, um, yeah, it, it's again, I, I feel like it's a it's a good story, the good behind the scenes story, but the story itself, I think, was super underwhelming. I think it was just like a, I, I'm more interested in the raw footage. I don't even I think I don't know where where that raw footage ended up. You, you know, when I when I hear your story and I think about my life and I think about our children's life uh, and I think about you know, I triangulate, I try to triangulate and think about, project out a little bit, like, do you think our kids are going to have this sort of the scrappy, the Vietnamese, the, the, right. the, the ingenuity? Do you think they'll have it? I hope so. And I, I think, I, can, I guess that's, yeah, I, I, I think that's a very, very good question. And that is something I think about all the time. Yes, I, want, I, do I don't too. want my kids. And maybe I, 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 maybe I put it in the terms of like, I don't want my kids to be wimps, but I don't want them to, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, and it, it's like, what was it? You know, Jay Caspian Kang wrote the, the uh, Loneliest Americans book or whatever. And he talks about how, you know, we, we're, we're basically, uh, you know, again, Viet T. Win would probably paraphrase this better. But um, like he talks about how like uh, you know we're raising our kids to be the kids that we didn't like when we were <laughs> growing up um, because you know we want them to have good lives and you know comfortable and you know like I'm very lucky and blessed to to be able to like provide for my kids and be able to you know buy them a Nintendo Switch if if I wanted to where you know when we were kids getting that that Nintendo was like. A impossible ordeal and you had to like go and scrap and get it yourself because there's no way your parents could afford to buy it for you for you and so you know all those kinds of things were so as an example i i bought my kids a nintendo switch for christmas and on the day of christmas helen my wife and i were like let's not give it to them they have so many fucking toys man they got so much shit we're not giving them the switch. <laughs> we didn't. They don't. They don't have a switch. We never gave it to them. It's like sitting. It's like sitting in a box right now. But you know, and I think maybe that's 
maybe that's it. You know, like we we're worried about our kids being too comfortable and like not, you know, knowing what it's like to earn something. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's it's a good question. It's hard because, you know, you also want to provide for your kids and you want you want them to to do well and you don't want them to be, you know, the poor kid like you were or whatever. But, you know, you also want them to have all the cool stuff that all the other kids had when you were growing up and be, you know, feel, you know, feel proud and, and, you know, confident in themselves and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's a good question, man. I ponder that that thought all, all the time. I mean, we, like I said, I don't think that I was necessarily rebellious. I mean, maybe when it came to religion, but overall lifestyle, my parents didn't really, um, didn't really block us. And I feel like I really didn't get a formal education, although we went to school and everything. But, uh, you know, I did a lot of reading on my own. But I feel like here's an example. Um, I was hanging out with a doctor, a really successful doctor, a good friend of mine over the weekend. And, you know, we we're talking about our kids going to school on Monday, you know, because we all vacationed together this one weekend. And he's like, you know what? I didn't even get to go to school till I was 11. Wow. You know, he came to Vietnam from Vietnam at, you know, at 11. He arrived here at 10 or whatever, went to school at 11. And he goes, first 10 years of school, uh, my life, I didn't really have any form of education. I, my dad was locked up in whatever, and I didn't have school. And there's another guy I know, you know, didn't really do any school till he was 14 and ended up going to Cambridge and Stanford and, you know, but you look at the things that happened in their life because uh, how difficult their upbringing were. Both both of those guys in these situations, both of uh, their fathers were in concentration camps and, you know, Vietnam and came at 14 or 10 or wherever. And they both just have that like, because I had such a hard life, I'm going to exact revenge on, you know, and show how... Uh, they just overcompensate for the time that they lost. And what if that is a real gift? And 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 providing for them is like giving them, because I, sometimes I feel like whenever I provide for my children, it's no different than giving them like a processed cake, like a processed food. Right. And their body's not really, they're, they're like tigers that are just being given, you know, um, some, some Twinkies they're not hunting for it. Yeah. They're not hunting. They're not their claws, their muscle fibers are not twitching like they would be in, in the wild, you know, and we are fucking them up, you know, um, in that way, I feel, I feel like that a lot. And I, I try to, to, to block my, the, the thought of it, but it, it haunts me when I think about our generation, you know, the second generation, I think, will always have it. Uh, we think we had it shitty, but I think between the, fir the first generation always has this like shitty ass time. The third generation has it better, but they're weakened. And then the second generation, I think, is like, that's a sweet spot. Right. Hmm. I don't know, man. All I'm, you know, for me, it's like having a Korean wife. My, my biggest struggle <laughs> is just making sure my kids eat Vietnamese food. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, it's race war every day, man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> my pho has to compete compete with Korean barbecue. <laughs> you 
You're a funny man. You you um you actually live in the neighborhood that I grew up in. Oh yes, I grew up, yes. I grew up in Mid City. Yeah. yeah, dude. I remember but, you were telling me about it, and you had a really cool idea for a, a like a TV show or a movie for uh, called Mid City. Mm -hmm. I remember yeah. being like, "Whoa, that's really cool. Go do that, man. <laughs> go go find five million dollars." Right. It. Yeah, that's that's a tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I'd rather be doing podcasting. Podcasting are this is fun. This is this is amazing to be able to to talk to you and to talk to people like uh, you know in the business and people I've been around basically all of my adult life. You know the Bowie brothers and you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I remember just meeting you like yesterday, and you're like a young young director starting out, and now you you I know. Like 2020 at the time, right? Yeah, very young. I, I don't know how old you were at, at the time, but now you're young, super young. And I remember Chris when he was still a big YouTube celebrity. Funny story about Chris. Uh, I had him, you know, he I invited him over to one of my um, events and uh, I had a cousin. Yet one of my young cousins uh, was working as a cashier for me, one of my events and uh, Chris walked up, I think she almost fainted. And <laughs> yeah. I had no idea how, you know, I, I, you know, because I've spent a lot of time with him. I walked around with him and we've been swarmed before. It's the craziest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And it's even worse if you're with Chris and the actual and the Wong Fu guys. I, which oh, I've really? Before too. And <clears throat> David Choi, I was with. So I was like with a bunch of these guys like one time and it was like the worst thing ever. I was like, it took me <laughs> minutes just to get out of the crowd. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. <laughs> we went to the fucking Asian night market or whatever. Yeah, like, that was. Never go to a fucking Asian night market with you. With those guys. Cars. Yeah, never do it, dude. Unless unless you want to be stuck there. But it was, it was from you know, and they're 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 such nice people, and they're yeah. so good to their fans. And for me, I'm just like, oh god, I got to get out of here. This is crazy. <laughs> you you remember the Even Stevens show? Yeah, you remember uh, that it, with yeah. Shia LaBeouf. The older brother and I went to high school together. We're really we're really close friends, and he lives in your neighborhood. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But that's another guy that you walk around with, and you know, women and of a certain oh, age really? remember him. Yeah, they insane yeah and this yeah, is like yeah, mainstream yeah. you know nickelodeon and it's right. a trip it's a trip uh we as humans are not designed to have that kind of oh you know uh people coming up to us and recognizing us you know we're just well, not... dude, you know what's crazy is that so you know having you know been friends with being friends with chris and being friends with the wong fu guys and when they were making stuff they you know like it was one of those random things Chris and I were roommates, so like they're like, "Oh crap, our actor fell through. Can you just show up and like play a part on in a in a YouTube video?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure," because Chris was like, "Yeah, yeah, you can do it, you can do it." And so I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And so I'm in like this one YouTube video for them, right? Okay, I that's done. Whatever. I go and direct iZombie. I'm in Vancouver shooting iZombie, a TV show on CW directing some teenagers uh, who are the guest stars on the show. And the teenagers had no idea what iZombie was. They're, they're just like, we don't even know what show we're in. We're just, we're actors and we're just, we're acting in this show. We're excited to be here. And, you know, I'm directing this one kid and this kid 
she's looking at me. She's like, are you an actor? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a director. <laughs> she's like, are you sure? Are you sure? So she had no idea what the show she was on, but she recognized me from a YouTube video. One video I was in for Wong Fu. That is crazy. And so she was just like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, you know, she's now being directed by an actor from Wong Fu instead of, you know. Props, props to those guys, though. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Yeah, props they're, to those they're guys. They're an institution. Yep. And Bart and Joe and all those guys. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, good for them. And, you know, it's it's everyone finding their space, everyone finding their niche. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you watched Love Hard. I'm a big fan of that. Film. I loved it. Did you really? You're not being facetious. I loved the movie. It's, I, I was, I mean, I will admit I was surprised, but I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh, I'm so glad. So glad to hear that. Why? Yeah. Why? What about Love Hard? Why? Well, you know, I, I think about that, you know, without the Wong Fu, you know, uh, crew and, you know, without all of that, those years of sort of just kind of like being there in the background or being part of our history that, you know, I mean, it takes, takes a lot of, um building blocks to get to to love hard you know I, i'd imagine you know I'm, I'm just projecting out that if it wasn't for a lot of that you know those guys in the in the early days and early is what 10 years ago you know i mean we're probably having to start from from the first you know from the first level and you know but because there's such a an awareness with um the audience has an awareness of 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 seeing asian you know people uh, on on the internet or youtube uh, and they speak english this is fine like we're okay with this now right right yeah so i mean it's i think that's uh, you know answer your question from earlier i think again everyone's just kind of doing their little part in each of their spaces and it, but it's adding it's it's allowing others to do other things you know everyone's kind of opening doors for each other by being successful in their own element. So. Yeah. I'm so it, it <laughs> I know a lot of people in my circles did, did not didn't think much of Love Heart. They thought oh, the fucking Hallmark movie, you know, whatever. But not for me. No, I I really enjoyed it. Um uh, yeah, I I was also I mean I just, I also just loved um Jimmy Jimmy o. Yang performance. I just yeah. saw a different side of him. I was like, oh wow. Got depth. And he didn't he doesn't always get to get cast in things to be able to do things like that. So it was I was like, good for him. Yeah. Yeah. It um he brought it. And he brought it effortlessly. It felt like it was like just him being um yeah the character and it didn't seem like it was it wasn't a stretch yeah yeah see see again i think you're surprised because you think that i would rather watch the terrence malick netflix movie but i like popcorn movies dude Come me on. too no me too me too i i i'm so Actually, glad i, 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 I hope I, you're I, not just I, trying I, to I was expecting it to be a little bit more saccharine and it, it wasn't as saccharine as I thought, actually. I, in fact, I was really quite impressed with Jimmy's performance where I was just like, wow, this is great. I love this movie. Yeah, I um, 
that's a breath of fresh air to see uh, that, that portrayal, you know, because it's a very, you know, it's, it, could, it could be real. It's not some far-fetched shit, you know, it's not some uh, yeah. funky dude like Henry Golding, you know, it's some fucking dude that's like, yeah, you know, and, the, and just the character, the way it's written, it just comes out and you're just like, I'm just, I was so in love with his character at the end of it all, you know? Yeah. I really was. Yeah. It was great. That's great. Yeah. Well, here's some more of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Viet, thank you so much. I hopefully we can have you on every year and we can just, you know, um, compare uh, how you're doing to Viet T. And I think that oh, alone you. would be fun. I Yeah. I think you should have us both on. I think you should have us both on and when you say Soviet, tell me, and we'll be like just talking over each other. We'll just like <laughs> fighting I'll, for airspace. No, 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 I'm talking. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, Viet, Viet T, I think, uh, yeah. Did, did I ever tell you? No, tell me. I think Viet T and I should do the, that whole like Key and Peel Obama sketch. Oh, that would be dope. Can so, you, you yeah. think you can get him to do it? I don't know. I mean, what are we going to talk about? It has to be the right uh, subject matter. But yeah, so like he he will he will be VT, the Pulitzer Prize winning guy, and he can be sitting in a chair, and I'm just like pacing in the back and just saying like the dude the real, yeah. of whatever the he's saying. He's like talking all eloquent and shit, and I and I will just be the guy, you know. Yeah, but 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 his role is not as important as your role because his role he's going to deliver the Obama right he's going to deliver the proper but the other the 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 anti Obama the 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 real motherfucker that's the interesting that's where you come in what are you going to what hat are you going to wear <laughs> right well that, I'll, that's I'll wear what it backwards first of all okay uh and i mean what i mean what i'm pretty sure you can, i don't know you, i think he can play the guy in the back too though isn't he like that he's pretty fiery too isn't that he? would be funny if you played via t and then he did <laughs> yeah i i play the eloquent one yeah yeah so so i'd yeah, buy that via t and i <clears throat> so we you, our kids are like in a we we have like this like this email chain going with with a group of parents or whatever i'm in that and, i'm in that email chain oh you are okay yeah. so are you aware of the email chain where everybody was getting confused whenever each of us would reply that so, was like a year ago or two years yeah, ago and i was yeah. like so let me propose something why don't we just call viet t we'll just call okay why don't we just call me smart viet and we'll call him <laughs> you know handsome viet, viet. yeah right we'll call him handsome viet i'll call me smart viet and it's a good joke, but I was like, let's let's stick to this, right? I'm I'm smart Viet, obviously, right? And then everyone just naturally kept calling him Smart Viet anyway. So then he got <laughs> handsome Viet and Smart Viet, because no one was like, no one was accidentally calling me handsome Viet. They were so he was he got both. No, in all fairness, you are a handsome guy though. <laughs> there there's symmetry in your face, you know, high bridge. And, yeah, you know, yeah, you, thank you. Symmetry. Thank you you, you thank you're you. handsome. You're a very handsome man. Anyway, all right. But yes, 
Let, let's get Viet T on, man. Come on, man. Let's do it. We're, we're, I mean, we're gonna... you know, not that Viet T wants to talk with me. I mean, he has like a lot more important shit to talk about. You know, that's the thing about having Viet T on. Like, I think about that all the time. I'm like, oh, whenever I get to inviting him and if he ever says yes, what the fuck am I going to, what am I going to talk to him about? It was hard enough trying to figure out what to talk to you about. You know, it's hard to figure yeah, out what you to just, talk to smart people about, you know? You start you start talking to, yeah. You're like, what are you going to talk, what am I going to talk to Viet about? Uh, the, you know, the least religious person in the world and I'm going to talk to him about religion. I'm like, what the fuck are you asking me about? What? Yeah, well, that, that's important. Uh, I mean, I, I wish I could have gotten into more of it, but we had, we just had to move on. But, you know, talking about, talking to Viet T is a, would be a hard, you know, I. I mean, fuck, if anybody... Just because he's the, got a fucking genius grant or whatever. What the fuck? No, Dude. it's not even about that. It's, Come on, you know, man. When you read the shit that he writes, you're just like... Oh, I know. He's... Oh, yes, he's he's a brilliant guy. But you know what? I'm pretty sure Viet T. Nguyen takes shits just like us. Yeah. <laughs> but they Let's have work. Let's ask him. Let's they have, bring them on and ask them. They have come words on. inscribed on the sh on the shits when they come out, though. <laughs> he shits out little genius <laughs> proverbs from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's tricky. It's tricky to 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 figure that one out because he's you know he was the incoming um, Vietnamese Student Association uh, whatever you know chair uh, when I was l leaving USC. So, oh, okay. yeah, he was, I think, replacing Tae Ng at the time, um, our, our, our Vietnam, Vietnamese Student Association chair. So I met him then, and he just began teaching at USC, and this was 20 years ago. And we kept in touch. Uh, you know, Ham, Ham was uh, renting from, from Viet uh, for a few years uh, here in L.A. Um, and, you know, I went over to, to their house and hung out with him and Lan and, you know, but I just don't know what to ask yet, you know. Dude, it's funny. Just read his book and then just talk about chapter one. <laughs> if it was that easy, right? You know, um, no. There's a lot of challenging people to interview, and I'll tell you why. Because... I, I know how you, you can backpedal. I know how you can make VT backpedal. I know how you can. Oh, tell me. You can stick him in a corner and make him feel. Not so confident. Talk to him in Vietnamese the whole time. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, telling you, man. No, the first French, thing we're gonna French he can answer, but Vietnamese. I'm I'm gonna propose. That's how you get him. I'm gonna propose the Keen Peel thing to him. That would be fucking epic. But who's gonna direct it? I will, of course. Hello, come on, man. But you can't direct yourself. I, I happen to be. Gee, I wonder if there's a there's a director anywhere around. I wonder. I, do you do you guys see one anywhere? Viet, you gotta you gotta you gotta pull this one off. That would be dope. That would All be right. cool. We'll pitch it to him. He'll I'm you know he'll have to write it. I'll let Chris write it. No, well, let's have let's have a Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> author write the fucking script. Come on, let's dude. have a director direct you, the fucking you're, thing. You're like, who's going to direct it? Not someone who actually directs for a living. <laughs> and who's, who's going to write, write it? it? Not someone who writes for a living. <laughs> what is wrong with you, dude? Who's going to be in it? Um, not two handsome guys. No, who's going to be in it? We need two guys named Viet Win. 
Who can who can we find? Man, Vit, I think you have something. I think you have something here. We gotta talk to him about it. All right. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We 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 gotta do something. But anyway, when do it before you guys get done. old. Before when, you guys get old. Comes. Yeah. <laughs> Vit, right, thank man. you so much, man. I, I really appreciate tonight. And yeah, it's a good time. And hopefully, um, hopefully you come back next year with the uh, plan to uh, do the uh, key and peel thing. Yeah, yeah. If not, maybe. we'll just get back on and shoot the shit. <laughs> thank you so much. We'll, I, I really we'll talk do about my favorite subject, religion. Religion. Yeah, my favorite subject, too. <laughs> All right, man. Don't, don't, don't hang up. I'm going to just stop the recording. Okay. All right. All right, Vit. So, by the way, I wanted to say this about your interview with Dat Wynn. Um, first of all, I'm from Texas. I'm a huge fucking Dat Wynn fan. And I mean, I grew up a Cowboys fan. You're When you're born in Texas, you're just indoctrinated to be a yeah. Cowboys fan. But here's a great thing, a very Vietnamese-specific thing about Dat Wynn. Okay, so did you grow up playing Madden? No. Madden football. Okay. I did not. So, Here's the thing about Madden. When you play John Madden football, so when you're a kid, one of the great things about playing being, uh, John Madden football is you can create yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, like, what I would do is I would just create the greatest quarterback ever, and my name is Viet Nguyen, and I would just make myself, you know, five foot six or whatever, you know, like whatever. You just make your own, yeah. you know, settings and all stuff, but then you, like, make yourself, like, have amazing ability to pass and or whatever right you just like and then you play the whole of course you know you're a teenager and you have all the time to do all this but you play a whole season being the most badass quarterback ever right and then you like win the game and you're like you know the dallas cowboys quarterback you know Viet win right yeah here's the thing you create your character if your name is tony smith the announcer john madden will be like and Smith throws the ball, 20-yard touchdown. If your name is Viet Nguyen, then they don't know how to say your name, right? So then they'll be like, number four, throws the ball, 20-yard touchdown. When fucking Dat Win mm -hmm. got into the NFL, John Madden knew how to say our last name. Wow. So I was Viet Nguyen on the Dallas Cowboys, throwing a 20 yard touchdown and they'd be like, win throws the ball for 20 yards, touchdown. And I'm like, oh my God, fucking dad win just changed Made, the game. Wow. Like literally changed, literally changed John Madden football for, you know, however many, uh, you know, thousands of us that were playing the game, you know, kids, Vietnamese kids that were playing the game. And I've, if I ever meet dad win, I have always wanted to tell him this. And story. I don't even know if this is like, after all these years, if he even knew that, and I and I actually haven't played Madden in so long now, I have no idea if Madden knows how to pronounce our name now. But all I know is back then, it changed. I remember the transition from being number four then to being win, throws the ball. So anyway, that's that, I oh, think what that's a great story. What a great story. <laughs> I, and you know, I I always thought that he was a lot older than I. You know, because I, I didn't right, play sports right. or pay attention, but. He's only a year older than I am. And, you know, we're about the same size. You oh, know, wow. Which wow. is small in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny. Yeah. It's like my height, 5'11", you know, and 5'11 uh, and a half or whatever. Or, yeah. yeah he's, not that, he's not that big. But what? There's it's only one guy. There's only one 
NFL guy in the history. And I don't think that there's going to ever be more. I don't. Right. They're not sending their kids to play um, football. Yeah. yeah. CTE and all that. There's no way. Yeah. You know, I and being a Cowboys, I was a Cowboys fan. And then I was actually kind of getting tired of the Cowboys, to be honest. And then I was like, God, I don't even know if I want to root for these guys anymore. And then, of course, he gets drafted <laughs> and plays with the Cowboys. And I was like, oh, I got to be a Cowboys fan. So I was a huge Cowboys fan during his time. And then after he left, I, I, I don't follow the Cowboys as much. But during that time, oh, man. And so actually, when I played, when I played Madden, I tried to make I, I was like the greatest offensive player for the Dallas Cowboys. And then I then I would play him as a linebacker and I found out one play that I could, I hacked <laughs> like there's like this one hack game where like in the, in the last two minutes of each half, if you play, if you play a certain defense and you're him, you can sack the quarterback. So I figured out how to make him have like, like literally like 70 sacks for a season so that I would be the offensive player of the year and he would be the defensive player. Of the that year. is hilarious. <laughs> Such a good story. I'm going to send him the clip. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. The Vietnamese is produced by Brittany Tran. Special thanks to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcast. Thanks again for listening.